BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Tonight, uh, we are going to be discussing the Republican presidential primary. We're going to be discussing the debate from last night. And we're also going to be uh, discussing other factors that have happened since the last time we did a show on this, which was about a month ago on August 29th, I believe was the date. So um, this is also a call-in show, which means if you're a member of the Evangelical Dark Web, you can click the link in the description below that says Green Room on it. And you can go on to there and you can sign up or not sign up, but you can quickly um come on to the show just read and agree to the rules and yeah click the link and i'll have you in the queue so anyway uh anthony how are you doing tonight i know you got a new setup yeah yeah all is well i got the whole office set up so and i got a new setup as well you can't see that because i got an extra zoomed in camera tonight so that nothing in my background is getting seen whatsoever because it's a mess around here and we've moved a lot of furniture. We are getting ready to paint the walls uh, like that yellow color that you got in the background, actually. Mm -hmm. um, yellow's in style these days. And if you're wondering why I'm dressed up, why I'm dressed up, there is a reason for that. It's not for this live stream. I mean, you know, do let me know in the chat if you want me to dress up in the live stream. Now, I know if you're on YouTube or the Twitter sphere, you might be aware of a discussion going on and a debate surrounding the fashion style of wearing a blazer over a hoodie. And that is all the rage and discussion these days. Nice. I don't know if you're into that or not, but let me know in the chat if you are into that. And um, this is a Fetterman. Uh... No, this is not. This is classier than Fetterman. This is John Root and uh, Eddie Robles got into got into it over this because he he made a joke about him looking like he had white guilt for dressing like a hipster or something like that. But John Root, you know, this wasn't something to get angry over. This is something, to, you know, this is male space online. You know, this is what this is how guys relate to one another. If you're wearing a hoodie and a blazer on top of a hoodie in September, be prepared to get a little rib because it's. It is a colder September than normal for most of the country, but September is still one of the hottest months of the year, and that was in Atlanta. So 
I doubt they're dealing with much fall weather right I now. I mean, so. maybe his mother told him to put on a jacket. So I, I'll give you an update on that first. So I was at a political event this evening. It was a campaign kickoff for a school board candidate. Um, and we take school board races very seriously where I live and now you no longer live. Um, and nearly 100 people showed up. Maybe 100 Maybe they got triple digit turnout for a school board kickoff. Now, this person has been basically running their campaign all summer and they just recently filed and made it official, but they got the entire apparatus of the county. They got the liberal Republicans. They got the conservative Republicans. They got the elected officials all on their side to boost this candidate. So they are running a very competent campaign. The event tonight was a who's who of, you know, local politic, political activists and politicians. So it, it was a who's who event for sure. And um, the Republican club that I'm a president of sponsored and got a binder level sponsor for that event at school board. So the tier levels of sponsorship are school related. But even now that I'm not really a believer in public schools or anything like that, it's still important to be active in these local races. And the school boards are the only local elections that we have in our area coming up. Everything else is federal level or, yeah, federal level pretty much, or state level referendums. But the school board race is the only thing that's local. So it's going to be a big deal. And Carroll County School Board, just for the audience, they did make national news regarding a a pride flag policy that I guess liberal activists basically took possibly government grant money and tried to basically put pride flags inside all the classrooms. And that was and that made national news when the school board wanted to fight that. So, you know, the school board does. You know, and and the uh, classroom neutrality policy was also covered by the Daily Wire which I, I told them that I told them at the time that the classroom, the neutrality policy was not sufficient because I said, if someone hangs a pride flag or a black lives matter flag, that's going to be a loophole in that policy. I told the, uh, one of the uh, board members who was running for reelection that, I mean, I don't know if she said anything at the time, but a couple months later, it becomes a major issue because they wrote an insufficient policy but it did make national news um and then uh td is on tonight isn't log cabin republicans health heath barnes running for congress there really heath barnes uh would he be running in the sixth the sixth is certainly the most desirable yeah i, I mean from where i stand there is no one running for my congressional delegate uh congressional He's, race okay yeah he is it, it's doug rufusberger no one wants to really take him on or unseat him. So he, he just has like this era aura of like invulnerability or something like that. Um, Yellowmoth says, I look sharp. Thank you for the compliment. I hope you said no homo as well. Uh, and then uh, the same Riza says, Uganda to charge the first case of aggravated homosexuality. Now the UN is cutting all aid. I, I actually, I believe that happened a couple weeks ago. I did cover that at the time. <laughs> yes um so with that said um what were your thought what were 
you expecting let's get on to the debate um and if you're in the chat don't forget to hit the like button we are live on youtube twitter twitch which no one's really on and then rumble as well so if you're in the chat let me know uh uh what were your expectations for the debate anthony what were your expectations I mean, I definitely expected an improved performance from Ron DeSantis. I think that was overall the big expectation as far as how the other candidates perform. I was, you know, not necessarily expecting much. And obviously Fox News underperformed a pretty low bar that you would have for them from the first debate, but they somehow managed to, you know, surprise us with how bad their coverage would be yet again. Yes, Fox News was slightly more professional in this debate. But I will say the... They were willing to cut off microphones. This debate was... Well, this debate did surpass the Trump rally, though. I think that... It wasn't really a Trump rally. It was a town hall event. And he didn't have the, you know, the fanfare of Tucker Carlson. So I think that there's nothing really special about the Trump event. Well, it, it, it came across as just your normal Trump rally from the, from what I watched going into the debate. So, uh, but I, I thought going into the debate, um, I was surprised that I believe it was Mike Pence who, or Doug Burgum barely made the cut for the debate. So a couple of days ago, it was only going to be six people on the debate. Then there were seven people on the stage. Asa Hutchinson did not make the cut. Because there was no one really uh, interested in voting for Asa Hutchinson. Because if you're going to vote for Asa Hutchinson, if you're that type of guy, you'd already be going for Mike Pence. So there's really no value proposition for him as a candidate. And thus, he did not qualify. Uh, I honestly, I, I expected Vivek to be a little bit more into it. But it, it just wasn't happening. He, he, he kept getting kneecapped by the other uh, candidates on the stage. And I don't yeah, think... Yeah, and that's what he gets for doing the, the whole uh, I'm not bought and paid for like you are. I'm the only one on this stage that's not that's not bought and paid for. I mean, I've seen some people try to say Vivek was... Uh, or the attacks on Vivek were because, oh, they're nervous or scared of him. It's like, no, I think I think they were genuinely petty. Wait, are you seeing copium online for this for Vivek's yes. performance? Yes. I so who, who's have... doing that? Any like conservative pundits that are defending Vivek's performance? I think it was Revolver News, and I think Mark Dice is, for whatever reason, thinking Vivek did the best of the debaters last night. Okay, that that is a absolute farce. But Vivek he is a, he is a hard all. he is a hard trumper. So that's. And I know Andrew Costa says Vivek's just out there running as VP. It's kind of interesting because Vivek is 38 years old. He is the youngest person on that stage and he's a boomer con. Like other than the neoconservative, like war mongering stuff, he's a boomer con. His understanding of um, political dynamics, his willingness, his claim that, oh, it's just the fringe of the Democrat party. That's the problem. It's like, no. It's the rank and file Democrat that's the problem. It's not like, oh, 10% of Democrats are these radicals who are driving the 90% of the party. It's no, it's they're the grassroots. They're the mainstream in the party. 
and the rest just go along with it. But hey, there's no higher morality in being an Ahab to a Jezebel. There's no uh, merit in tolerating evil while the, you know, as, as opposed to doing the evil. There, there is no prize for that. There is no, um, you know, mitigating factor in that. So Vivek is just such a boomer in his political understanding, despite being 38 years old. So it's not just a, a generational thing. It's a mentality. He has a post-World War II consensus incarnate. So, And to think, I mean, if he actually had, like, I mean, he didn't, he got attacked, but it's like, dang, these people that are attacking him are terrible at attacking him. But he still got ganged up on, and that pretty much neutralized him. Like, he wasn't necessarily able to come back from that. I mean, obviously, I don't know if you'll have it for later, the birthright citizenship uh, comment was... I thought that was Vivek's highlight of the night. Yeah, that was probably his only highlight. Uh, but aside from that, he was pretty neutralized. And he so, got he got pretty much trapped in the weeds. It's funny because Vivek is very much trying to do the Obama thing. I think that's really what he's trying to do. He's trying to be a combination between a Republican Obama and a Republican Andrew Yang. And it didn't really work last night because he tried to be civilized. He tried to be the adult in the room. And the other candidates, they remembered his previous debate performance. The moderators, they remembered his previous debate performance. The audience more than likely remembered his previous debate performance. And they weren't going to let him do that. They weren't going to let him just rebrand his debate persona on stage he called everyone on the stage, bought and paid for, and then wants to act like they're buddies the next time they're in a room together. And they weren't having that. And I did like to see that, actually. I'm not going to lie. I did like to see them just completely say, uh-uh, we ain't friends, we ain't buddies, like that. So I thought he was just kneecapped from that. He, he couldn't rise above that because of his prior behavior. So it's kind of providential in a but certain it, point. But of view, it also just goes back to the perception of of uh, Vivek is that the people don't necessarily think he's he is uh, honest. They don't necessarily like he comes across as the used car salesman, but like the shaky one, not like the good ones. So and that's the problem with Vivek is do people view him as an authentic person or not? And again, you, I don't think you got the authentic Vivek unless it's more the crafty salesman that's that you saw last night unless that actually is who he is you're not gonna view any like anything he says with authenticity uh td says one thing is clear from last night they all love reagan well the debate was at the reagan public li or reagan library so you got to bring you got to show some appreciation for reagan there even if you think that you know he's a flawed uh, president and his, you know, his second term wasn't super good. Um, uh, Anthony made the authentic uh, mistake of assuming there's an or a mistake of assuming there was an authentic. Well, I did say that the authentic Vivek was a, like a was cunning or crafty. I mean, he's a if he's a snake, then that is you know that's the authentic Vivek is a snake, not exactly a compliment. And um, so. Vivek, I, I just think, got kneecapped. I don't know how to... I mean, we're going to go through all the candidates and their performances. And 
I don't know what particular order is because I didn't rank the candidates' performance from worst to best. But if you had to choose, like, who did the worst last night, who who would you say? I mean, I know I've seen the clips going around of Mike Pence doing the worst. I would probably have to concur. I mean, there's no reason not to concur unless you think someone did specifically bad. But to, you know, play the, you know, heaven's advocate, not the devil's advocate, but uh, Mike Pence really couldn't hurt his campaign all that much because he did what he always does. Uh, except he didn't have a moment of owning Nikki Haley. So last debate, he was at least able to own Nikki Haley on leadership well, because Nikki Haley's a snake. Um, I, I don't respect her at all. She's done nothing as a governor that has earned my respect. She's the wokest candidate on that stage, if not the second wokest to Tim Scott. Uh, I, I remember seeing this commercial. It's probably one of those pack commercials that's just playing a trivia game of who's woke or, or who who's the woke candidate that said this, Tim Scott or Nikki Haley. So uh, South Carolina is not sending their best. Um, I, I but So I think Nikki Haley might have hurt her campaign the most because her performance was bad. Yeah, uh, I would agree. Mike Pence she, doesn't have that much down to go. I think Vivek perhaps oh. hurt his campaign a lot. Because I mean, he, he has some room to fall. Mike Pence, I don't think, has that much room to fall. I mean, that performance or not. People that might have respected him, it's just like, wow. Like, because keep in mind, he mops the floor on Kamala Harris, but in the VP debate, but he can't. I mean, he absolutely looks like a fool in this current debate. So I, I do think there's a level of self respect that even if people kind of respected him or. It's just like, wow, he, he kind of does debase himself in the debate, which isn't. Uh, and But at least he didn't Bible thump. Who, uh, Mike Pence? I, I, I don't. I, as much as I love hearing the Bible read in a public square, when Mike Pence does it, it's just, man, is that just nerfing the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. <laughs> You're just nerfing that spiritual weapon, you know? Uh, that, that's kind of how I feel about that. Like it was kind of cringy when he did that, but speaking of cringe, I, I do have some clips, um, ready to share. And if I can get it pulled up, uh, we are going to go to my bookmarks here. Uh, Mike Pence. From every background. You able to hear that? Yes. And I want the American people to know uh, and the civil liberties of every American from every background. And I want the American people to know that. But I want to answer the question as well, Dana, that you just asked Doug Berg. Because by way of full disclosure, Chris, you've mentioned the president's situation. I'm, my wife uh, isn't a member of the teachers union, but I got to admit, I'd, I've been sleeping with a teacher for 38 years. And um, so full disclosure. Look, education is a state and local function. The state of Indiana had one of the very first school choice programs in the country. And when I was governor of the state of Indiana, we doubled it. So what are your thoughts on Mike Pence trying to make a sex joke? Yeah, breaking news, Mike Pence has had sex with a woman. Like, <laughs> that was the most cringe moment of the... Oh, it's bottom two, I guess. Chris Christie uh, tries to top it. But the idea of him trying to do the I've had I've been sleeping with the teacher for 38 years it's just like wow 
I mean, Marco Rubio with the small hands is uh, making a comeback because that that was the most cringe thing. I mean, that's like the cringiest Mike Pence moment of all Mike Pence moments. I mean, especially since his delivery wasn't even confident like it sounded so insecure <laughs> yes like like he didn't sound confident in the like you know he didn't we've, sound i've had marital relations and he's just he like, sound like tim scott talking about his girlfriend like it just didn't except sound, it's his wife yeah 30 something years or whatever it's like what once a year for like it did not like, sound convincing and it, I, maybe that hurts but I, it, it hurt to watch. That's for sure. Like that was, that you know, was something. He, I mean, he probably didn't last night. I'll tell you that. Not after that performance, no. Um, but that that was just. Yeah, I, I think Nicholas uh, says right here as I get my camera back in focus. Uh, if he wants to be douchebag, debauched, edgy, that was just bad, and, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like it wasn't even confident. And he uh, didn't he, even need to say it. it wasn't unprovoked. I mean, it's not like Donald. I mean, the famous Donald Trump, believe me, it's not a problem. That's exactly. The best, probably the best moment in a presidential debate, perhaps all time. Uh, yeah, it's got to be. I mean, there's been a lot of gap, uh, gaps in the debates and stuff, but that is number one. Just one of the funniest moments. I, I think I recall. I was looking and it's down. because Marco Rubio brought up the issue. And, I think I Trump were, had to defend his honor. I was looking down and I just recall looking up at the TV and she's like, wow, Donald Trump just said that. Uh, yeah, that was. And, and, you know, Marco Rubio went there and Trump had to defend his manhood and honor. And I'm not going to bash Trump for that. I, I'm sure if Solomon was alive when Rhea Boehm uh, bashed his manhood, that Solomon would have spoken up and said something especially since he had, you know, 300 wives and 700 concubines and, you know, one for every day, three for every day of the year or something like that. I'm, I'm sure he would have spoken up and said something um, or just would have let the record speak for itself and not, you know, just gestured towards it. But that, that was, you know, Mike Pence sounded not confident in trying to be, you know, debauched as he as Nicholas uh, proclaimer, the Messiah just said, so Mike Pence definitely did one of the worst, but I don't feel like he had the most room to drop for some reason. I feel like he should have more room to drop, but that's just uh, not where we're at in this primary. That's just not where Republicans are at. He has a high name recognition, and I don't get the person that doesn't like Trump but likes Mike Pence, but I think that person's Big Eva. I think uh, the evangelical industrial complex is supporting Mike Pence in many ways. Um, you got people like John Hagee supporting Nikki Haley, though. Uh, he, he He's supporting her. But other than that, you see like uh, Franklin Graham supporting Mike Pence. You see, uh, I want to say a couple other people like that supporting Mike Pence. So watch out for that. They're going to claim that Mike Pence is one of us, but he's not really one of us. I think that's the only reason why they're doing it. Um, I don't know if it's the DeSantis Catholic thing that might ward them off or they don't want to divide their their support between Trump and DeSantis. So you go Mike Pence. And again, just because, you know, DeSantis Catholic. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I could see that being some logic, but 
it hasn't stopped people from voting for a Catholic before, or at least a Mormon's far worse. Uh, so this is the next. Uh, I wanted to ask how you felt about Chris Christie's performance. Well, I mean, towards the end, he just goes, I mean, I, this is probably the clip, but he goes completely Tommy boy at the diner with the roll in his hand, asking for the wings. Like, <laughs> and the fact that Tommy you're overweight, yeah, the fact that you're overweight doesn't help. Describe what he he said that made you think of that because i'm i'm not i'm not sure i'm catching your i know analogy. you're watching i know you're watching I you can't know. help yourself okay when yeah. he went that okay yes yes it kind of sounded like chris farley and yeah and because he's fat you know it's gonna sound like that um so but this i i thought chris christie did not really help himself now there is a segment of republicans that likes chris christie and if you're a liberal Republican, he's actually being the boldest for your positions. So I got to give Chris Christie credit for that because Nikki Haley is pretty liberal, but she ain't going that far. Uh, she's not willing to say it like Chris Christie is. So at least he has some balls up there because he's willing to say what the other liberals on that stage are not willing to say, like uh, Nikki I mean, Haley he, and Tim Scott. And but he's just shameless. I think that's. Oh, yes, completely. But this, I thought, was the uh, worst moment for his uh, debate performance thus far, at least his cringiest moment. And Donald Trump should be here to answer for that, but he's not. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching, okay? And you're not here tonight. Not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. All right. I wanna... So Donald Duck, how do you think that landed? Uh, I kind of want to see what the other candidates on the stage were doing. Were they just like wincing at that? Was it like uncomfortable to be on the same stage as someone that's doing that bit? Because now it's funny because the joke did not land on me last night. I didn't get the joke last night. I actually got the joke this time. So it did definitely uh, land better the second time hearing it because I was able to think about it like, oh, Donald Duck, because he's ducking the debates. I honestly thought he was just making a stupid reference or something to Donald Duck's personality. Uh, uh, yeah. So that's I how it came just... off the first time, but it was a play on words. Uh, yeah, it didn't land well at all. I mean, you got to have, you should have used the word duck. You're ducking the debate. You're playing chicken. And like I want to say, I don't know who got the most speaking time or the least, but Chris Christie did not get a whole lot of speaking time. And I know Doug Burgum was like ripped off of speaking time as well. No, oh, yeah, I mean, he interrupts and then they're just like, okay, we're going to skip you. I mean, obviously they had no interest in giving him a lot of time, which I don't blame them because he really didn't deserve to be on that stage. And again, I mean, that clips like that. You that, say that, but I, I still think he's the third best candidate in the race. I mean, he's a mediocre Republican governor that makes him better than six of the people on that stage. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's like the, he's like the literal neutral of candidates. Yeah, he, he's your middle of the road between good and bad. He's a generic R. 
But I mean, I mean that clip validates Trump's decision not to show up. That clip? I would say so. I mean, I, it's, I disagree. I don't think it helped. I mean, out. if you're just like, yeah, yeah, um, be on a stage with you, no thanks. Like, I don't. I mean, again, I don't think the audience is like, wow, I really missed Donald Trump at this debate because, you know, he would have gotten so much time in what, an hour and a half, maybe an hour and 40 minutes of speaking time. And, and, and I don't know if it's if it's just me, but the way the debates were ran in 2012 and 2016, even when they had that, like, what, six or seven candidates, the debates were more substantive. Yeah, I mean, Fox News, they just want to put so much pageantry into their questions, like all this background information, and then they're just asking stupid questions. I just, I, I don't get it. Like, at least they didn't ask about climate change this time, but they did ask about gay, gay stuff to Mike Pence, of all people. So they, uh, what's her face that they were just so woke last night. And maybe it's because you have a British guy, uh, a Univision person who was completely terrible. And then they had the trans and kids as cool girl on there. Uh, if you remember, I did a story on Fox News, like uh, supporting grooming. Like, yeah, I, I Dana, that, per Dana Perino was the was, was the, the person yeah. on that. So that's who the Fox, you know. Two of them don't even sound American. I mean, I, I'm sure the Spanish speaker was American, but one of them wasn't even an American. And it's like, okay. And and he was he just sounded tired and couldn't really get his words out properly. And, it, and then the other two wanted to go woke that night. So not a very substantive debate because of that, but there were substantive moments. And I think most of those moments come from Ron DeSantis. I don't even think it's a question because we're trying to say who did the worst, but who did the best? And I think it's Ron DeSantis by a mile. And then second place is Doug Burgum. Uh, and then everyone else did bad. That, that's my opinion. And you're just debating who did the worst. Yeah, I mean. That's the only real debate about last night. Who did the worst? Because it's not debatable who did the best. Um, and again, there's a strong case. That, uh, let's talk about Tim Scott for a second. He got very combative this night, uh, last night, uh, with, uh, Vivek multiple times and Nikki Haley once about curtain rods in the South Carolina governor's mansion. The most who cares of things ever. What? Like $150 curtain rod from, uh, I don't it was there when she was inaugurated or something. It was her defense. Like, who cares? Yeah. I mean, Tim Scott is just stupider every time he speaks. Like, you want to use – I mean, Nikki Haley wants to use that line on Vivek. No. It certainly applies to Tim Scott. The guy has no talent. How, how does that guy win a Senate seat in South Carolina unless it's, you know, because of physical features? Because he certainly does not have the aptitude. Like, he is just so unintelligent. Yeah, he, he doesn't sound smart. Um, and I know uh, there's people that disagree with us that would sound smart doing it. And then there's people that are supposedly on the right that sound really stupid. 
Pearl Davis obviously is one of those people. Doesn't sound no, I mean, intelligent Nikki. at all. But if we're going back to politics, because there's a lot of Pearl Davis sense in my YouTube comment section this week. Um, yeah, she doesn't sound smart and she ain't smart. Uh, she just wants a media career. And then Nick, Tim Scott, you know, he just, I don't even think he's serious about being president, but he is serious about getting some cash. Oh, Nikki Haley is someone that would be like on the neocon, but she is smart. I mean, she wasn't last night, but she certainly was the first debate. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I think that's true. Nikki Haley's just more competent than Tim Scott. I don't think there's really if, ands, or buts about that. So let's answer this question that uh, Fox News asked. And I think this was one of this was a moment that made DeSantis look good. And in, in fact, let me actually pull up his version of that event because that video might be longer. It is not longer. So my bad. Uh, so we're going to play this clip of the survivor question, which was one of the last questions of the debate. That you're dropping out. So, which one of you on stage tonight should be voted off the island? <laughs> Please use your marker to write your choice on the notepad in front of you. 15 <laughs> seconds starting now. Of the people on the stage, Are you who serious? should be vo- I'm I'll absolutely to do serious. That with all due respect, wow. I mean, we're here. Like, well, you know, we're happy to debate, but I think that that's disrespectful to my fellow competitors. Nobody wants, yeah. to, nobody wants to participate. Let's do some questions. Let's talk about the future of the country. You're dropping out. Uh, your thoughts on that exchange? I mean, that was Ron DeSantis absolutely controlling the situation and most of the others tag along. I mean, Nikki Haley ch- tries to object first, but Ron DeSantis, clear leader in that pack. And like he was clearly the leader there among all the people trying to run for president. And the lighthearted question at the end, I mean, it would go over well if they actually had substance throughout. But the other thing is, if I recall, like how the 2012, I think the 2012 debate, it was not a who would you vote off the island. It's like, okay, who who on the stage would you have as your running mate? So it was a little bit more positive rather than a, you know, throw a rock at someone on your way out. I mean, they're just trying to drum up drama. Yes. They're not actually trying to engage in substantive issues. I don't recall... You know, China did get a lot of attention. The economy got attention, and they're just trying to ask different candidates different questions. And the and crowd was give all the questions. And the crowd supported Santos heavily on that. On on what? On that moment. 
Like he got an applause on that. Be- because that's that was a stupid trap that you don't get into. You're, you're not trying to alienate certain people on the Republicans. We don't have enough votes uh, going into 2024 to be alienating segments of the party like that. That was just stupid to even try that. That was Dana Perino that tried to do that, right? Oh, yeah, that was her. And again, that was one of the moments where DeSantis looked like a leader among that among that that crowd. And I, I thought that was if and that's one of the moments where it's like, yeah, this guy's clearly won this debate. And I didn't think it was close. I think maybe you could have argued that the first debate performance was closer. I still think he won. But because, again, Vivek is isn't believable. He's not genuine. And the people in conservative media telling you otherwise are telling you that because they want him on their podcast because he gets them views and stuff. They're, they're trading access for favor. And that's really what, what's going on with conservative media. And Vivek tries to play the game. He does try to play the game. I don't actually recall what his answer was. And then Chris Crispy, Chris Crispy, wow. Uh, gives, he gives the answer of the prior clip. I think, or he just does a uh, Donald Trump needs to vote, be voted off the island. But again, I mean, if you're going to show up for two hours and not really answer a whole lot of substantive questions and maybe only get like 10 to 12 minutes of speaking time, then I can understand why you opt not to show up with, with a bunch of people who have no business being there. Uh, I think you cut there. Uh, so, So I think this is actually one of the best moments for Ron DeSantis in the debate. And it's right here. I want to ask you about something that I think is on a lot of Republicans' minds. This election could come down to less than 50,000 votes in three states. Abortion was on the ballot in six states in 2022. Republicans lost all of them. Next year, abortion will likely be on the ballot in Arizona. That is a must-win state. Governor DeSantis, how are you going to win over independent, pro-choice voters in Arizona? Same way we did in Florida. We won the greatest Republican victory in a governor's race in the history of the state, over 1.5 million votes. We were winning places like Miami-Dade County, Palm Beach, that nobody thought was possible uh, because we were leading with purpose and conviction. I reject this idea that pro-lifers are to blame for midterm defeats. I think there's other reasons for that. Uh, the former president, um, you know, he's missing in action tonight. He's had a lot to say about that. He should be here explaining his comments to try to say that pro-life protections are somehow a terrible thing. I want him to look into the eyes and tell people who've been fighting this fight for a long time. I was at, my wife and I uh, earlier today were at the gravesite of President Mrs. Reagan, and I noticed that um, there was a quote where it says, Every single person has purpose and worth. We're better off when everybody counts. And I think we should stand for what we believe in. I think we should hold the Democrats accountable for their extremism, supporting abortion all the way up until the moment of birth. That is infanticide and that is wrong. That I thought was a strong moment. That was the money shot. That was... he. And you saw that DeSantis took shots at Trump in this debate. And uh, arguably, this was the time to do it. Trump 
uh, showed a lot of vulnerability there in the last month. Since the debate, Trump has gone pro-abortion and pro-transgenderism. I got both those clips in the ready. Uh, so allow me to pull the clip that he was responding to, um, which is actually buried in my bookmarks. But I mean, it's a good clip where you're not necessarily rehashing Give your voters. Yeah. But you're able to go on the offensive and also give a game plan that, hey, you can win Arizona. You can win. win. And this was a, a moment that was needed because the pro-life movement is losing some steam because the national organizations suck. The March for Life sucks. The, Maryland, the right to life organizations and their state chapters are all not interested in personhood. They're not interested in ending abortion. They're only interested in regulating abortion and treating people who murder their babies as victims no. and you know donate money so we can get congress not to pass a 15-week ban congratulations here's five dollars like yeah I, exactly like the 15-week ban in congress really shouldn't be the priority because first of all you don't have the votes for that sec so you know i don't want to say don't even try but we should be putting our efforts where we do have the votes and yeah, it's just strict strategic uh you know or distribution of resources or you can negotiate with the democrats and maybe they'll come down from 40 weeks to 39 weeks but trump has made numerous comments about pro-life movement and i think this was a huge uh glaring opportunity that someone like desantis or desantis really being the only one could actually exploit and this is the most recent thing that went viral that Trump has doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on this clip right here. Mr. President, I want to give voters who are going to be weighing in on this election yeah. a very clear sense of where I think you stand I on think this. they're all going to like me. I think both sides are going to like me. Let, let me what, but what's let Mr. going President, to have to Mr. happen President, is you're going to have to ask this question. Kristen, you're asking me a question. What's going to happen is you're going to come up with a number of weeks or months. You're going to come up with a number that's going to make people happy. Because 92% of the Democrats don't want to see abortion after a certain period of time. If a federal ban landed on your desk, if you were reelected, would you sign it at 15 Are you weeks? talking about a complete ban? A ban at 15 weeks. Well, people, people are starting to think of 15 weeks. That seems to be a number that people are talking about right now. Would you sign that? Uh, uh, I, would, I would sit down with both sides and I'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years. Uh, I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't. I mean, DeSantis is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Would you support that? You think I, that I goes think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. Uh, yeah. Thoughts on that? That's Trump basically coming out as pro-abortion. There's no if, ands, or buts around that. And I'm glad just... I got to speak from someone in Christian media for a second. I am glad that not only I ran a story against Trump doing that, calling that out. I also protestia and I believe the dissenter did as well. So I'm very glad that the other discernment ministries out there, specifically the ones that do print or, you know, they publish articles also went after Trump for that and called him out for that. I'm really, I'm really glad that we did that. I mean, we're not, uh, we're direct competitors in a business sense, but we also work together and 
uh, talk to one another, uh, especially me and Protestia, probably better ties. I don't really talk to, uh, I believe it's Jeff Maples of the dissenter. We don't really have, well, I mean, we follow each other on social media and all, but we don't really uh, coordinate as much or at all, just to be clear. Um, but, you know, David Morrill's a friend of the channel and he's one of the people behind Protestia. And we talk, and I'm glad they ran that story. So keep in mind, he's asked the question if the bill is on your desk. So that means it's already been negotiated. It's already been passed by both houses. It Let's just assume because, you know, that's how the negotiation works. It'll have all the exceptions. And all he has to do is say yes. But instead he, again, he basically acted like the pro-life movement. Let's negotiate. Let's negotiate against ourselves. Let's negotiate against the the question. He has an easy yes. There, there's not a winning way to like what exactly is she trying to do? Is if a heartbeat bill doesn't protect increasingly protects fewer and fewer abortions because the person getting pills on the internet isn't going to detect their own heartbeat. Not everyone has a little baby uh, Doppler machine. A device you can get a device that can you know do a little doppler and you can hear the heartbeat on your own uh, i believe my wife had you know got one of those back in the day but not everyone has that and the person that's going to kill their own child isn't going to get one of those to make sure it's legal so it's just like heartbeat bills are on the low end of what we should be looking for it, it doesn't necessarily prevent um all these other abortions out there, especially the ones that are at home. And that's, that's what the movement needs to be focusing on. But instead the movement wants to attack an industry like it's industry on industry, but they're going after the wrong industry because it's increasingly a big pharma telehealth industry, not a surgery in uh, big uh, medical complex. And there's no push to get the pills banned. And at all that seems apparent i think i read an article about kevin stitt not wanting to move on abortion pills uh, can so you say who that is kevin stitt uh oklahoma governor so if you're listening dusty devers uh that's you got to get on that but i mean his campaign is predicated on the abortion issue he's running for state senate in uh oklahoma uh good luck to him in his upcoming election i believe his primary is in october which is very close to the general but I, I imagine if he's running, then he uh, did so because it was possible. Uh, Nicholas says wants to push back. Legally, corporations are persons, and so humanity... Uh, actually, no, this was the one I wanted uh, from you. Uh, federal statute against murder does not require personhood. It only requires uh, being human. And when I say personhood, that's basically what we're talking about. The law does not recognize the preborn as human. And that's what we're talking about here, that it needs to recognize them as humans. It needs to recognize them as people. So I understand, you know, you're bringing up the whole persons thing. Um, but that that we're just arguing semantics here. Uh, I think we're in agreement that the law needs to consider them that. Uh, in, and it needs to be explicit about doing that. Abortion pills, uh, same as that, only works for the first 10 weeks. And they don't work past them and have a 2% ER rate from taking them at taking it after two, 10 weeks. Uh, that's interesting. I wasn't fully aware of that because afterwards, then you have to go to a, uh, uh, 
clinic and that's when they you know do the whole the more expensive ways to do no, an abortion by more expense not necessarily surgical they could do the kill and vacuum sort of method i think they would call that surgical or cuttery because you know, it's like chemical and then surgical and maybe there's another term but uh but yeah 10 weeks is significantly like you know you're pregnant uh you can know you're pregnant uh let's see within two weeks of actually being pregnant i mean two weeks gestationally not two weeks on a uh, pregnancy test um because when they say how many weeks pregnant you are you got to subtract like about two weeks from that and that's how many weeks you've actually been pregnant because it the uh the count starts from last menstrual cycle so, but you ovulate in the middle of that. If you're a woman, typically you ovulate in the middle of the cycle. So subtract two weeks and that's when you actually started. So a six week heartbeat bill is really a three week bill in a sense. But when you add, you know, you know, pills that work up to 10 weeks, the same rise up points out. Um, was that seven weeks where you can get an abortion? Seven weeks is a long time. You're nearing two months there. And if you don't think you can get pills shipped in that time, and that's, again, when the majority of abortions take place, yeah, a heartbeat bill is the bare minimum of what we can do. And Trump is against that. He Instead, Trump is defending 99% of, or not 99, but let's say I think it's 90. 90% of abortions Trump is defending and saying should be legal. Like, how is that winning? Uh, and Nicholas wants to clarify and say semantics do matter, though words are powerful. And I agree. I agree. I, I just want to clarify. I don't think we're in necessary disagreement. I'm just using what the uh, activist terms here. If you want to suggest better activist terms, and I think that's what you're doing, you're definitely free to. Reminder: This is a call-in show, so if you clicked on the link below and you're a you know paying member of this evangelical dark web, you can join the live stream. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so uh, the other clip that Trump made that I want to respond to or I want to respond to, because this is the other uh, blunder of Donald Trump in recent months. Uh, it is on the Megyn Kelly show. Hold on. In my opinion, you have a man, you have a woman. I, I, I think, I think part of it is birth. Can the man give birth? No, no. Although they'll come up with something. Can a man become a woman? Um. That, I think, is one of Trump's. I, I don't even want, know what you want to call that. Is that weak, or is that just someone who? Like, obviously, if your your answer isn't no in that situation, then you failed the test. I think you failed the test when you're being asked the question. Not, not necessarily. I think uh, Glenn or Glenn Beck recently asked Ron DeSantis the same question. But that was but that was, that was a tee up. That was a layup, though. I'm, uh, but in actuality, I mean, if she's she's asking this question because she senses blood in the water, and 
you see that weakness. So she, that's a follow-up question. That's not your first question. I mean, it's odd because Trump is in a pickle because here's the thing about Donald Trump. He's attacked Ron DeSantis on, you know, not being gay, pro-gay enough. Uh, that's one of the things they, not necessarily Donald Trump that I remember, but I know Tim Scott in the debate last night and Byron Donalds attacked Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis for, you know, racist policy, which we'll discuss in a bit. Um, this was a terrible answer to a question. This was basically Katanji Brown Jackson. He might as well have said, I'm not a biologist. And if no. any other person, politician said this, everyone would be in agreement in memeing him. I mean, the guy who hosts beauty pageants doesn't know what a woman is like no he let trans transvestites and compete as women uh from what i understand and he also hangs out a lot with uh uh bruce jenner so who's the second first lady of maga at this point carrie lake being the first by the way because no one knows where melania trump is like, she, I don't think she's had a public appearance in a very long time. Because neither, and neither has really Ivanka, like a lot of, except for Don Jr. The Don Jr. has been pretty active. Except for Don. I mean, the whole family's kind of been out of the picture. I mean, I think, I mean, I think I've seen more of Baron, Baron Trump. Uh, but um Let's see if any candidate publicly supports Uganda, I will vote for them. Uganda forever. Mike Pence never. Uh, I remember saying that in a video a long time ago. Uh, Formosan Black Bear says Trump is trying to hold back. We did not get to hear a nasty comment he had in mind. Um, what type of nasty comment? Because he went after my Megyn Kelly for asking for this interview and how it went. Like He went after her. Uh, he said that she's become a lot nastier. It's, I don't, I mean, Trump, the thing about him is he pursues a lot of hostile interview opportunities. Like he loved letting Chris Wallace interview him while he was president. And that was a stupid idea at the time because Chris Wallace was a flaming lib. He always tried to make Trump look bad. And then the Trump campaign agreed to him being a moderator in the first uh, presidential debate for 2020. It's like you knew that Chris Wallace was unprofessional and and was a complete hack and you approved him anyway. Uh, you know that Megan, you, you, you know, Megan Kelly's the person, if you remember back in 2015, was the one who was bleeding out of her, you know, whatever. Uh, that whole comment from, I believe it was the summer, late summer of 2015. Yeah, and then she like chopped off her hair and eventually, you know, lost her job at Fox News. and She's on the bigger and better maybe things though. She's yeah. clearly on the bigger and better things. She is a top five podcaster in conservative me media. I don't know why, because I don't think she's that conservative. Um, but I, it's the woman, mar woman market. And I don't think it's bad that women listen to women on these things. Uh, there's appropriate space. Yeah, you know, I think women only spaces are good or women's spaces are good. Men's spaces have been under attack for a long time. And those are good as well. Uh so that answer was bad. <clears throat> uh, give Vivek credit, though. Uh, he brought up this issue in the debate. If you can talk to that for a second. Yeah, I mean, Vivek, ah. I mean, I don't know if you have the, the immigration clip. 
I, I do not. Oh, you do not. I don't have Vivek's highlights because I, mean, I think he barely had any. I mean, to me, Vivek is very much, you know, like a prostitute. You know, he'll talk dirty. He'll say the things you want to hear, but you just, you know, it's not real. And that's the problem with Vivek where I love the birthright <laughs> citizenship comment. You know, that's what we need. And then Tim Scott, I wants to passively object, but not really object. But, you know, Vivek, will give you the the words you want to hear you just know it's not real and i don't even know what his perspective is on the trans thing because uh vivek yeah if he has some comment from the ether that's going to be dragged up so uh same rise that says amnesty is ine inevitable and rn mcintyre did a video recently talking about how the democrats just want to run out the clock on the issue to where you know they're already but, you know, that's the point you're trying to make is that it's inevitable. That's why there's not any debate. There's not any meaningful effort to curb illegal immigration or even legal immigration. I like how Chris Christie's asked about the 11 million illegals because it's been 11 million for like 11 years. years. Yeah. And it's probably closer to 30, maybe even 50 million. So Fox News with their out of date questions. I mean, the, the questions were terrible. Uh but Vivek was asked about, I don't even know what he was asked about. Like, I think parental rights and education. He went after the tranny issue. And I got to give him credit for that. And Fox News got mad at him for doing that. They yeah, got I mean, mad at him for that. There's some hot buttons there that the, that they will cut off but, the debate. Because they didn't give DeSantis a response before the... So Mike, Quince, Mike Pence made a diss on DeSantis and didn't get uh, on gun control or something like that. Uh, oh, no, no. It was the Parkland shooter not getting executed because the jury was not unanimous on death penalty. And didn't DeSantis fix the laws on that? I believe he did, but you're yeah. literally you're like... That was a somewhat rhetorical question. That's your beef? You, like, is Pence... I mean, Pence... He's yeah. Been I, he's been married for 37 years. What can I say? So... We have a, another clip from... Could be applied for their personal benefit. Florida's new Black History curriculum says, quote, slaves develop skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. You have said slaves develop skills in spite of slavery, not because of it. But many are still hurt. For the sentence of slaves, this is personal. What is your message to them? So first of all, that's a hoax that was perpetrated by Kamala Harris. Uh, we are not going to be doing that. Second of all, that was written by descendants of slaves. These are great black history scholars. So we need to stop playing these games. Here's the deal. Our country's education system is in decline because it's focused on indoctrination, denying parents' rights. Florida represents the revival of American education. We're ranked number one in the nation in education by U.S. News and World Report. My wife and I, we have a six, five, and three-year-old. This is personal to us. We didn't just talk about universal school choice. We enacted universal school choice. We didn't just talk about parents' bill of rights. We enacted the parents' bill of rights. We eliminated critical race theory, and we now have American civics and the Constitution in our schools in a really big way, just like President Reagan asked for in his farewell address back in 1989. Florida is showing how it's done. We're standing with parents, and our kids are benefiting. That was how it's done. Yeah, he gave no ground to the question. And again, 
you know, I don't care if black people are hurt by the comments and neither should he. He's not going to win their votes. So yeah, I mean, cares if you offend I mean, Tim, Tim Scott does. Um, uh, many people are still hurt. You know, toughen up Buttercup. It's the truth, says same Riza. And completely agree with that comment. Let me check this uh, Rumble to see if there's any chat there. Um, no, no chat in the Rumble. But you can chat if you're in Rumble. I'll get to it eventually. Uh, but, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And the fact is he gave the correct point that, no, that was a hoax. People hurt by that. No, they're not. They're. If you're hurt by that, that's a you problem. I mean, I'm and pretty sure the only dem racial demographic he didn't win in his reelection was black people. So, I mean, I mean, if don't pander, don't yeah, debate don't, yourself by pandering. Exactly, and that was the correct answer. You shut that nonsense down in like 15 seconds, and then use the rest of your time to make the points that you want to make. That is how a pro does it. Uh, that that was masterful. Uh, I mean, maybe not masterful because it's Fox News. It's not like he had to do that to, you know, a talented question. But as far as, well, it's masterful in the sense that he is on the big stage here. This is still a heavily watched event for the campaign. It is going to move the polls somewhat. Uh, but that that's how you do it. You shut down, you reject the premise of the question, uh, shut it down, answer that question, and then you... And he did it well to appeal to the boomer con base that loves to hear, you know, people who wants to hear it. that was written by the descendants of slaves. It was written by black people who are conservative in their values. Therefore, woo, we're not racist. And it, it definitely appealed to that crowd of people. And that's the crowd of people voting for his competitors on that stage, like Tim Scott and Nikki Haley. They want to be told they're not racist or sexist. So they're, you know, supporting that camp. And he pandered, or he didn't pander uh, to that crowd, but he talked in a way that that crowd would like. Yeah, I mean, obviously DeSantis gets flack for not being good at retail politics simply because he's not a circus showman like Donald Trump. But at the end of the day, that was your classic rhetorical flourish that that he's able to deliver. And again, he didn't sound necessarily rehearsed or canned when talking about his record. And he actually did sound passionate too. I mean, it was very, it was a very good presentation of, and, you know, obviously he probably went, that went in there wanting to talk about his educational record, but, and that was a good moment where you can talk about your record without necessarily being, I guess, canned or only reverting to your record because the question you were asked was crap. So, refute it quickly and then go on to talk about your record uh i am getting some polling on this debate coming in so we're going to discuss a little bit of polls coming up let me just go back to the twitter sphere we have a couple more uh new so that was just one of the disgusting questions that was probably the second most disgusting question that fox news asked um the first one being the mike pence gay rights thing like that was cringy um, let's take a look at this shot. I believe this is one of the first shots that across the bow that DeSantis launched towards Trump. They have shut down our people. So th this moment, I think, comes from the beginning of the debate. I thought it was a significant moment in the sense that DeSantis has been pretty tame towards Trump, but he is starting to fire. And, you know, it's time to use the powder and 
You can't go after Trump too late in the game. You can't just come out the gate doing it. There is a balancing act because you need the Trump supporters on your side. You can't be alienating the coalitions of Republican voting bases that you need ultimately to win the election. So there's a balancing act because a lot of people are still attached to Trump. So you can't alienate them. Well, but mind, he was a lot of people that support Trump are also open to supporting another candidate if they earn the vote. He was 15 minutes into the debate. I believe he was the last candidate to get a, to speak. So, yeah, they don't do. And he was the first candidate to speak in the previous debate. So that's probably their justification. But this is a clip where he went after Trump. People in Washington are shutting down the American dream with their reckless behavior. They borrowed, they printed, they spent, and now you're paying more for everything. They are the reason for that. They have shut down our national sovereignty by allowing our border to be wide open. So please spare me uh, the crocodile tears for these people. They need to change what's going on. And where's Joe Biden? He's completely missing an action from leadership. And you know who else is missing an action? Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record where they added $7.8 trillion to the debt. That set the stage for the inflation that we have. Now, I can tell you this as governor of Florida. We cut taxes. We ran surpluses. We've paid down. So coming off as uh, fiscally conservative, which... Yeah, everyone says that they are, but no one really is. I mean, Nikki Haley's been trying to lay down the I'm a fiscal conservative. The debt is bad, even though she's like a Chamber of Commerce Republicans, which basically just means she wants to cut the spending on welfare programs and take that money and ship it to Ukraine. Like, that's what she means when she talks about deficit reduction. Yeah, and... But that, the Ukraine thing, I think, is an interesting topic because I, I, I do want to mention that DeSantis has really fixed his messaging on that issue. Because he, he's been pretty wishy-washy a little bit on that issue. Um, he, he, he didn't get pressed on it by Tucker, which was probably to his benefit because Tucker had had his fill, I think, on the Ukraine issue with the candidates during that forum. But... Uh, he fixes messaging. You saw that in the Glenn Beck interview that he did. And he, you know, just talking about ending it and just detailing how it's not in America's best interest that this war keeps going on because we're losing our munitions. We're bleeding our munitions to fight some other foreign country's war that has no benefit to the United States. Uh, so that's the point that DeSantis is largely pivoted to. I mean, I he's will... really refined his messaging, and you saw that last night. While Nikki Haley's like, "A win for Russia is is a win for China," or something like that, and talking about how Poland's next. Like, you really think Russia is going to invade Poland after you know they they didn't exactly cause the regime collapse that they went for in the in February March of. Uh, 2022. Russia did a shock and awe invasion of Ukraine, hoping to create some sort of regime collapse. When that did not happen, they had to re-pivot their entire invasion because they realized World War III is on. And it's been a, gr a grind ever since. Like, you think they're ready to grind all the way to uh, Warsaw? Like, th that's nonsense. 
Uh, and yellow. I mean, I also has that Poland has the largest ground army in Europe. They're also like the second largest country in Europe. Right. I mean, we're not counting, we're counting Ukraine as like the largest and we're not counting Russia in this instance, but you know, aren't they like the second largest or it's, uh, either that or it's Germany geographical space largest or yes, because that matters. I don't know if Britain counts, but no, they're not larger. Um, I don't know. It, I mean, I didn't... Poland, Germany, and uh, Belarus, which is on Russia's side, and then you know, Ukraine would be your larger countries in Europe. I mean, I didn't get take away clear stance on DeSantis during the debate, and that might have just been me tuning out or Nikki Haley trying to talk over it with the territorial dispute. I mean, I comment, might be, so... I might be filling in more details, but. He gave an abridged version of what I just described uh, because he didn't have that much time to talk on the issue, but he gave the abridged version of uh, w- the war needs to end because it's not in America's best interest. It's not increasing our military readiness to continue this proxy war. And he, he did well at communicating that on the uh, Glenn Beck interview that he did. And he kept that messaging in the debate and that's going to be his messaging moving forward. Uh, So I think that's actually a major improvement for DeSantis and his campaign. Yeah. I mean, obviously I think Ukraine's a question mark going forward. Again, I, the delivery of the debate, that second, anything that was spoken of in the second hour, that wasn't your highlight worthy cringe moment. I don't know how much the audience, I guess, retained. And that on that exchange, because it was so wildly interrupted, I don't I, I didn't take away much from the Ukraine issue on, during the debate one way or the other. And again, I mean, with Ukraine, I mean, a lot of talk about oh, to say, uh, Trump with no for, no new wars. But, you know, that's yes, that's yesteryear. And Trump's Ukraine policy is just as much of a question mark as Ron DeSantis's. I, I don't think that's true as much anymore I, because I, again, I would say recently Ron DeSantis has fixed his messaging on that. Trump, I think has gotten a little muddier on his message. I'm trying to play both sides. He's trying I, to I understand. He's trying to do the whole, the war wouldn't have happened if I was president, which is not nonsense. And then I don't know if it's completely false either, but keep in mind, Trump armed the Ukrainian government. Yeah, he, he got him. Them. He got impeached for it. Yes. So you know the perfect phone call and stuff was like, you know, Trump was dealing with all this stuff, and he would have armed them even harder. Uh, yeah. Russia is kind of Asia, you know, tomato tomato. My comment on the geography size is obviously Russia can't invade themselves, but like the largest countries they can invade was the point that I was making. If that was unclear, um, no, and then we have geography. Okay, someone someone's done the math. Russia, Ukraine, France, Spain, Sweden, uh, Sweden, Germany, Finland, Norway, Poland, and Italy. So Poland's smaller than it looks. Uh, and the maps are distorted, so it definitely looks that way. Okay, so that's the uh, proper order. But still, not a small country uh, in terms of Europe. And when you already have to 
go through Ukraine and that's hostile territory, it's not realistic. And I believe Poland recently announced that they're not going to be giving any more military aid to the Ukrainians. And they also said it was Ukraine that fired on our territory. So you're talking about Russia attacking Poland when Ukraine is the only country that's attacked Poland and we didn't enact uh, Article 5 of NATO to go after Ukraine for attacking Poland and killing two people. I believe it was two people. You know, the hypocrisy of NATO. Uh, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why Poland's no longer doing that. So my thoughts on that. Uh, anything else you wanted to say on the Ukraine front? I think you kind of covered uh, yeah, I mean, nothing new so far. Obviously, uh, they're going to find more money to give to them in the budget deal that's coming up. So There weren't that many highlights from the debate, uh, but we do have some polling from the debate. So this is a WAPO poll, so Washington Post, liberals. Uh, I should really be able to find a better image than this. But let's see. Performed the best, so 33% in this poll said Ron DeSantis performed the best. So that's a clear plurality of uh, support. Uh, 5% said he did the worst, which is what Trump trolls. That's technically three percent. Uh, that's the third place. I get 4% of people said Tim Scott did the worst, which again, he didn't stand out as doing the worst. He didn't stand out as doing the best either, which is why 6% said he did the best. But so Ron DeSantis is a little more polarizing, but he's not all that polarizing. Like, look at Vivek. Uh, let's read Nikki Haley first. Uh, it, it seems like the population thinks that she did the second best. I don't get it. I, I really don't see how she comes in second place. I mean, no uh, one knows. Doug Burgum, to me, came in second place. But no one knows what a Doug Burgum is. And exactly. Um I mean, you know, maybe if you, want to be, if you want to be the MVP, you got to be the quarterback, not the punter. And that's a reference to, you know, the governor of Florida versus the governor of North Dakota. Uh, I mean, that kind of, you know, denigrate maybe, small states, but it's a smaller market, smaller, everything's smaller in North Dakota compared to a large state like Florida or Texas. Well, I think what you have at the top three with DeSantis, Haley, then Ramaswamy let, is. Let me have, read for okay. this is going to be an audio. So. Nikki Haley, 18% said she did the best. 7% said she did the worst in this, you know, Washington Post poll. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, 15% said he did the best. 10% said he did the worst. If you want to comment on the top three. Um, I think that's the actual order of the of the actual polls as of today. That it's Trump, DeSantis, Haley, then Ramaswamy would be fourth. So you're saying that people voted for their favorite. I would say, well, yes like your and favorite no. candidate's the person that you think did the best. Uh, yes and no. I would certainly think that's what would explain Haley. But I mean, Haley could just be. But I do think that if you had to say what is the order of the race, that would be it. So I do think it's partially fan bias. But at the end of the day, if you came in liking Haley, you might not have been turned off by her. Uh, Jamie Starfish says, anybody missing Ron Paul yet? Now, in 2012, I hated Ron Paul. But I, I've grown an appreciation for him. And ultimately, I think Rand Paul did the better job of marrying Ron Paul's domestic policy with the more 
rational foreign policy. That's just my opinion, because Rand Paul was not supporting uh, bombing Syria, which Trump would ultimately do after saying he wouldn't. Uh, and then that six. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to move down before I read that comment. So 33 percent is low. How can people justify thinking someone else did better? That's kind of weird. And that's Nicholas uh, saying that I, I agree. Like I think Ron DeSantis kind of towered over the others. Yeah, he was fine. the he was the adult in the room. That's why. I'm, and again, keep in mind it's Washington Post, so it is Washington Post. Let's consider that in mind, but I do uh, think that's the order of the Tim race. Scott. Six percent said he did the best. Four percent said he did the worst. Again, forgettable performance, despite the fact that he wanted to go after uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley, and he needs to go after Nikki Haley to secure that base or at least contend for that base, because that's his swimming lane. Chris Christie, 6% said he did the best. 24% said he did the worst. So this is a dramatically worse debate performance for him. Although that many people said he did the worst last time, but he's the most hated Republican on that stage by far. Uh, you got any comment on the Chris that's Christie numbers? That's certainly a reflection of how much people dislike him. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think he did the... Actually, I did say in the beginning he did the worst, right? Because... Uh, you made the case that he would... Yeah, if you had to pick someone other than Pence, you would have picked Chris Christie. So... Right, because... And that's just me being objective. At least in the first debate, he gave the people who would vote for him the red meat that they want. This debate, he didn't really do that. Except when he tried to do the Donald Duck joke. So only 6% of people resonated with that. It shows... Mike Pence, 3% of people said he did the best. 20% said he did the worst. Wow. Uh, maybe they were the only 3% laughing at his jokes. I mean. The only 3% <laughs> of people that think, you know, he has marital relations on a regular basis. I mean, uh, maybe they thought, maybe that 3% also thinks like Ghostbusters 2016 is funny. They think, you know, they think uh, Last Jedi was a good movie. Like, I mean, it, it's... Hey, was, you know who has who's wrong on not just p politics but pop culture is David French. So, just saying, like, David French was a you know defender of the Rings of Power series on Netflix. I'm pretty sure he's had some. Uh, yeah, that three percent, and he's kind of defended Mike Pence a little bit too. The three percent is the people that like the things that are universally reviled. Uh, let's see, Doug Burgum, 2% said he did the best, 11% said he did the worst. I don't get that, but again, smallest candidate on the stage. I honestly think he's still the third best candidate. Uh, and let's, let's be real. The people that would say he did the best are going to say DeSantis did the best. Because again, that's. You're, you're being more objective, but I, I do also think he's the third best candidate in the race. I don't understand the he did the worst, the 11%. I, yeah, I don't really get it. He wasn't that particularly memorable. But clearly, uh, he, I guess he's just not as likable, I guess. I don't know. I mean, obviously, he tried to, he basically was more aggressive in getting time to speak, which cost him later on but but i don't blame him for that because he's a guy with an agri agrarian state and he's worked in tech so he's like why don't you ask me about the things that i'm actually good on 
and, and you know, Mike Pence gets asked about, uh, you know, uh, hate crimes or something like, yeah, on on gays and stuff. Like it, it was such a ridiculous uh, debate. Um, and then uh, I'll skip the last two, but that's the first uh, poll. I let's get back to that comment that I deferred. Uh, Yellowmouth says that six percent that said Christie did the best was just Christie, and they took the percentage by mass. <laughs> oh man, that, that was worth it to hold off on reading. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, it's a list of who you want if Trump is in jail or assassinated and cannot run. I don't really think that that's necessarily fair. I don't think it's that far yet. Uh, Brian Babes is on in the chat. Hello, how are you doing? Don't forget to drop a like button because she's going to tell you to. Uh, let me get back to the Twitter sphere. So that's one of the early polls that came out from this debate. Uh, we also got more of this. I think these might be the same numbers. Uh, so that looks like the Washington Post poll. Uh, debate watchers said DeSantis performed best followed by Haley. A percent of the debate watchers who would rate each of the following candidates for debate performance as excellent or very good. So 54% of people said DeSantis did excellent or very good. So that's beyond just good or okay. Uh, 44% said Nikki Haley. I don't get it. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, maybe people just, I mean, let's take Doug Bergman. This is also in post, by the way. But let's take Doug Bergman and say no one knows who he is, so they're not going to vote for him as being the best. Doug so Bergman still got, uh, comes in fifth place on this out of seven, despite not being rated the highest. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have said he did very good, so he wouldn't have gotten me on that 30%. Uh, well, I'm just wondering, or nineteen percent. Who would I rate was the second best, and Haley would might actually come up as just a process of elimination. I don't know how. Like, I don't know how, but I mean, it's a low floor. It is. It's a very low floor to just appear as an adult on that stage. I mean, Tim Scott is pretty stupid. Ramaswamy uh, didn't help himself. Tim Scott has Kamala Harris energy. Without Kamala Harris action, oh, that we know of. No, no, he's he's not promiscuous at all. Not with I Lindsay don't buy it for a second. No, not with Lindsay. Not with his imaginary girlfriend that goes to a different church or a different school or whatever. Uh, Mike Pence at eleven percent, being in last place. So Drudge poll. Let's talk about Drudge for a second. This is. Who still reads Drudge? And it's clear that the Nikki Haley crowd still likes Drudge Report because they've been discredited for years. And this is a raw poll, so it could have been bot voted. And this says Nikki Haley won with 37% of the vote. DeSantis came in second with 22%. Ramaswamy, 18%. Again, Ramaswamy's AstroTurf, uh, as AstroTurfed as it gets. And He's just a stand-in for Trump at this point. Even though last night he did not do the whole surrogate for Trump thing. So to Ramaswamy's credit, he was not a complete surrogate for Trump last night. He was more the Obama, Alan, or Andrew Yang wannabe Republican type, uh, who is still a boomer combo. We already talked about that. 
Uh, Chris Christie came in fourth with 12%. So that's an improvement from the Washington Post poll, which I don't think, uh, I don't think this poll is remotely scientific or accurate because it's drudge. Like this is not the conservative news bastion that it used to be. So it's going to attract a more liberal crowd. Burgum came in fifth, Scott came in sixth, and then Pence came in last, which some of those results are interesting. I just don't find this to be very credible because I kind of doubt that these are real. I think these are a lot of bot generated votes, in my opinion. I mean, it's certainly different from every other uh, poll uh, and certainly okay. di different from what you would expect. Uh, Brian Babe said, to be fair, I thought Burgum did good. I did too, actually. I, I said he did the second best, uh, which wasn't, it was a distinctive second place. Everything, everyone else did bad. I think he did adequate, but again, governor of a small state, mediocre as far as Republican governors go. He's in the middle of the pack, not the worst, not the best. Uh, and he's basically the third best candidate in the race. I, I think physiognomy-wise, he would make a good vice presidential candidate. Uh, Charles says, uh, what is AstroTurf? So AstroTurfing is when you kind of, like when there's like a media campaign to make someone a thing like that. No, oh, it's, it's kind of like, it refers to artificial. So like if a movement is artificial, it's basically being top down. It's being, it's know, being heavily pushed. Yeah, it's fake. It's not real. If it's it's the opposite of grassroots. So grassroots being more organic and like from the ground up, AstroTurf is top down and it's fake. Yeah, so it's not the grassroots that's doing it. It's AstroTurf, which AstroTurf is still better than field turf, according to athletes. Uh, VP for whom? I think he'd make a good VP for DeSantis. Not the best choice, but of the candidates that are running – like, he wouldn't be a Carly Furiona pick, if you know what I'm saying. I think he'd be uh, strategic at securing – You want if you're DeSantis, you already got the people who are Trump uh, supporters kind of be in your corner, and you need to secure – you need a generic Republican that's a unifying figure. I think Burgum could do that out of the candidates that are running. You might want to go more for a Glenn Youngkin because that might be a sexier pick. Uh, Kim Reynolds, maybe, uh, would be strategic. Brian Kemp, I think, is too polarizing. But I, I think he's, you know, good on elections and stuff. But I think he's too polarizing. But if I had to give three names, I think those three people would be the best pick. Is Yunkin, uh, Burgum, and then uh, Kim Reynolds would be the three best choices for DeSantis that I see at the moment. Uh, so that's the uh, Washington Post poll. Let's see if I have any others. I do not. So uh, any comments? Uh, so what do you think about Trump skipping this debate? Let's. I don't know if we. I still that think on that. it's. I mean, it's it's still a good idea. I mean, you have no reason to be on a, on the same stage as half those people there. But I mean, if Fox News does a or whoever does a debate and it's basically Haley. Uh, DeSantis and Ramaswamy and maybe one other, then that would look 
far worse for Trump than being the eighth man on the stage or seventh man on the stage. It needs and, to be like four, and then that would be Trump's I mean, I like missing the, out. I like the analogy of a playoff game in which Trump is having a first and now second round bye. So that's fitting. After the debate, Ron DeSantis told uh, Sean Hannity that he wanted to challenge uh, Trump to a one-on-one. So clearly DeSantis knows that he did the best in that perform did the best in that stage and says okay it's it's time to it's time for me to box the champ like he's yeah, he's way up the uh boxing ladder he wants a title fight and again he's got the uh, he wants a title fight so he's got the Gavin Newsom thing coming up so that's a good that's going to be a good uh win for him uh Bing 69 on Rumble says Trump won. So I am interacting with the Rumble chat as it comes in. Uh, your, your response to being 69. I, I mean, I don't think it's like, I mean, since he doesn't have the Tucker thing, I mean, obviously he, he can maintain his lead and not show up. And obvious, and again, showing up for 15, like not even 15 minutes of talking time, I don't blame him. Like until the Fox News wants to clean up their act. I mean, he can actually Here's sell the this. Thing. Until Fox wants to clean up their act, there's no reason for him to even bother showing up. Here's the thing. If Trump was the same Trump as he was in 2016, why show up to the debate? You already know what Trump believes. But Trump has changed his positions. And I think he should have to debate those positions. So morally speaking, I think, or maybe not morally, but as someone who you know takes the process seriously, Trump should be on that stage. Uh, because he has changed his positions. And I also think it doesn't hurt, it doesn't help him to keep skipping the debates. I actually think it hurt him more in this debate than it did in the last debate because he was targeted more directly in this debate and isn't there to defend him. And then Vivek Ramaswamy's not actually playing a more active role in defending him. So I think when they're talking about Trump should be there, that and specifically when DeSantis went after Trump for the being pro-abortion, that hurt him. I yes, guess, but I mean, for Trump, this is a strategy of diminishing returns. The more debates he skips, the worse it will be. But until the field is winnowed, then it still is more profitable than not for him not to show up. Again, diminishing returns, but. Again, you're on stage with Chris Christie and Doug Burgum, two people, and Mike Pence, three people that have no business even being there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brian Babe says, I think he should be on the stage to win the moderates. And I think Trump needs to help win those people back. I think strategically, that's what he needs to do. I think he's uh, alienated himself with a lot of independents. I think he has a very strong base of Republican support. But he needs to work on his favorables with the with the independents because that's who Republicans do need to win. Uh, Republicans have always needed to win independents, and Trump needs to do, to do better in that voting block. Uh, and again, the better DeSantis looks, the worse it is for Trump. So that's the other thing. Trump, like I don't think DeSantis hit a home run in the first debate where he probably needed to hit a home run and only gets on base. 
it helps your batting average, but it's not it's not what you need. And he got the home run last night. If Trump, uh, Yellowmouth says, if Trump went to the debate, it just gives his enemies more time to take shots at him. I think he it was smart to sit out. And now, pragmatic, if I wanted to be cynical about politics, I think that's correct. I think, I and actually, if I want to be down on Trump, I think that's correct. I think Trump is older, and it shows when he talks. He is older. He is not as sharp as he used to be in 2016. Uh, there is a thing called presidential aging where that job ages you a lot. Like look at Barack Obama going in to office and Barack Obama coming out. And you, you know what uh, they say? Black don't crack. Like, you know, black Americans age pretty well uh, on average, unless they're on crack that is how the saying goes. And he aged a lot. Uh, I, I think the same is true with Trump. He's been in the game a long time right now at, at a very high level. And now he's got the indictments. I think I, I don't know how much energy Trump has. And I think it could show on a debate stage and not look very good. I, I mean, I th- you know what I'm saying? I think it's like Rocky three, the beginning of Rocky three where Mickey tells Rocky that, you know, he's been scheduling him against scrubs, uh, washed up fighters, and, and he's been very selective about the title fights because he's not confident in Rocky. And, you know, Rocky wants to box Clubber Lang, you know, Mr. T. So I, I think it's closer to that. Yeah, I mean, and again, Trump's hope is that DeSantis can get knocked before he ever gets a shot at the title fight. So that's that's the other thing. Again, it is a strategy of diminishing returns, but it's still in the green for Trump right now or in the black. Uh, let's catch up on some chat. Uh, Nicholas says, looks to me DeSantis may up, end up in the general election. I mean, it is early. It's still early in the process. Um Ted Cruz did not look like he was going to win Iowa until December. So before that, it was, you know, all Trump all day. But Iowa could change. That could change the race. I I do think as of right now, Ron DeSantis is on a trajectory to win Iowa. And that's going to shock the nation. And and keep in mind, that is a must win. Iowa and New Hampshire are must wins for DeSantis. Otherwise, the race is over. I don't. The reason why I disagree with that. Is because if Trump is convicted, I think oh. that negatively affects Trump's chances. It does. I think there's enough people that are currently pulling the lever for Trump that if he's convicted, still want to beat the Democrats and do not believe that he can beat the Democrats if he's a convicted felon. Well, I mean, the way that regardless of the merits of the charges, because what is the D.C. trial that I don't know how long that trial will go. Obviously, it starts on Super Tuesday. So that's gonna. I mean, the intention is that that's gonna pull him over super on pull him over the top on Super Tuesday. So I don't. I don't. I mean, again, it could go down to the convention. But. Yes, that that's what I think could happen. I, I this primary could be over very early, or it could drag on to the convention because of the whole court drama. 
So you could have in an, an election at the convention. I, and I don't know what the exact rules are. Like maybe he only needs say 15% of the delegates to be a serious consideration. Uh, uh, let's see. We got a good question here. Do you think, do you guys think Trump is ducking DeSantis? Well, yes. I, I think if oh. Trump gets on that debate stage, he's going to get lit. He's ducking him if he ain't saying yes to a one-on-one. That's literally the definition of ducking. All right. Keep in mind, Ted Cruz roasted Trump in the last debate that they had in the 2015 or 2016 Republican primary. Trump lost that debate to Ted Cruz. Trump stopped doing debates with Ted Cruz after that. Trump won over Ted Cruz after that as well. It was strategic for Trump to stop doing debates when it suited him. Because I honestly don't think Trump's a good debater. He's a good showman at times. He gives us the great moments like, you know, not a problem, as he famously said uh, to Marco Rubio's little hands comment. But I, I don't think I think it would behoove Trump not to be on the debate stage because he's had some senior moments, too. And I, I'd be worried about that if I was on the Trump campaign. I mean, I think, you know, DeSantis has kind of learned uh, how to tailor his messaging. He's learned how to, you know, he's shored up his Ukraine messaging. He's become more personable in a way that's not inauthentic. Oh, the other thing. I, I think, and that's why he's telling a lot of stories when he answers these questions and debates. And that that works with humanizing someone who is quite honestly more of the socially awkward, really good at policy kind of guy. Well, I mean, and for DeSantis's advantage is he's going to go in with some some fights under his belt, so to speak. And, you know, Donald Trump is going to be out of the game as far as debate experience goes. So that's another like he's not he's he's the playoff team that's been playing games, must win games for a couple weeks. And, and Trump is still on the bye week mode, so that also is going to play a factor if they were to face off. I mean, uh, send in your last call for questions. I'm doing a last call for questions right now because uh, we're going to wrap this up. But thank you all for watching both on YouTube and Rumble. We got a lot of Rumble uh, people on because uh, Rumble doesn't get usually this many people. Um, but thank you all who are on Rumble uh, as well. Uh, hold on. Uh, Nicholas says, if I were a leftist, I would want Trump to win so DeSantis doesn't. They're exceedingly self-destructive. Um, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. I'm not sure who the they is. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Sebastian says, that's a good point. DeSantis has been debating and Trump's just bragging about doing interviews with Tucker. Uh, what about the phone calls? Uh, this is a call-in show. If you're a member of the Evangelical Dark Web, you can click the link, which is a behind a paywall. So if you're a pay paying member like our Patreon-like system, you can join the show. Uh, that That's what the call-in show means in the thing. Uh, so any more questions? Uh, I do want to let you know, Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. You can support us over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. That's linked in the description below. And that's how you can be on the next call-in show that we do, which will probably be on the election uh, as of now in the foreseeable schedule because I don't have that many uh, 
you know, planned live streams. We do have an upcoming interview with David Whitney, who we did a video about last week. Uh, we got an interview with uh, David Whitney recorded. I got to do a YouTube edit for that because my man went hot. Uh, Election uh, from, fraud. No, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say anything about that. Uh, but he did say some things that are a little too spicy for YouTube that I don't want to take a risk on. So we're going to have to do a YouTube edit. But we got an interview of that coming up. We got a bunch of stuff uh, coming up. Oh, oh, uh, Charles, man, where were you at the Truth Strip retreat this past weekend? So I did meet Charles last year at that. I could not make it this year. Uh, money's a little bit tighter right now. Uh, and next year I will go. I will be able to go. Uh, things are a little tighter right now. And we're planning another trip to New York. So there's a couple things that interfered with the me taking off work to get a New York thing. So it's unfortunate that I wasn't able to go. My pastor was able to go, but it was unfortunate that I was not able to go next year. It should be a thing though. Uh, it will be on. Uh, so that's the plan. That's the plan. So I'll see you next year. If not sooner, I don't know what other conferences I'm going to. Uh, a lot of these conferences are too expensive for me. Yeah. Like, I just fight, laugh, feast is a little too expensive. G3 too expensive. Like, I... but, uh, true script is a very good deal. Uh, it was a great deal last year with the men's retreat because the food there was excellent. It was top notch. Uh, but, and you know, it was a great conference. So, definitely worth it last year was more expensive this year and we're, we're already planning a trip to new york so there's a lot of stuff going on around here and it's home modeling season in my house right now so uh let me check the rumble okay nothing on rumble all right well everybody have a great night we will uh talk again i love getting uh your perspectives in the chat on the current election uh remember the evangelical voting block is the most important voting block in the Republican Party. So we're covering dare it say moral uh, lone bulwark of moral insanity, right? Yeah, I dare say that. Um, oh, here's a good question. Uh, did you see the Mid America Reform Seminary hit piece on Stephen Wolf? The guest was Alan Strange. No, I did not see that. I, I can't see every hit piece on Stephen Wolf. He is literally the most villainized person in evangelical Christianity these days. Um, great questions. Great chat tonight. Everybody have a blessed night. We will catch you on the next one. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.